the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Nothing says 2023 more than this. Yeah, Tom Hanks uh, is the guy who said there's no crying in baseball, but he said it to a bunch of women in the movie, A League of Their Own. There was some crying in football over the weekend. Actually, it was sobbing. You've probably heard about Caleb Williams. He plays quarterback for USC, and USC lost to Washington 48-42 Saturday. Tough loss for USC. Probably knocked them out of any chance of getting into the playoffs, and this was supposed to be their year. This was also supposed to be Williams' year. He's the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy, and he's the slam-dunk number one pick in the NFL draft next April. His quarterback, pretty good. Well, it's one thing to be sitting on the bench with your head in your hands, you know, maybe a tear or two. It's an emotional game. It does happen once in a while. I've seen it, so have you. But Caleb didn't do that. Caleb went into the stands, almost sat on his mother's lap, put his head on her shoulder, and sobbed. You could see his shoulders heaving. Now, she covered his face with a program and patted him on the back. All this on national TV it was enough to make you want to puke. That's bad enough uh, that a 22-year-old man would go cry on his mother's shoulder after losing a football game. But he also said he wanted to go home and cuddle with his dog and watch shows, by the way. But anyway, it's the response to the responses to him crying on his mother's shoulder that's the problem. Lots of people in the media and on Twitter and other social media spots scolding you if you not only think it's nauseating, but if you don't think it's wonderful. And that's what's so 2023. The feminization of the American man continues it's not about not allowing men to show emotion. It's about wanting men to be more like women in the whole, you know, toxic masculinity routine. Come on, we're talking about a grown man running to his mother and wanting to be cuddled while he sobs over losing a football game. Now, I'm sure the people who think it's wonderful also think it's a great example for young boys because it gives them permission to run to their mothers and cry when things don't go the way they want them to, when they're 22 years old. How many fathers here in 2023 told their sons who saw that video that it was ridiculous? I'm afraid not nearly enough. Anyway, when we come back, Donald Trump testified in court today, and he annoyed the judge a lot. Did he help himself or make things worse? We'll get some analysis from a former federal prosecutor. Our second half hour, Veterans Day, is coming up. On the weekend, we'll tell you about a special show at the Strand Theater in Zillianople. Stick around. Well, Donald Trump was in court today to defend himself in a $250 million civil uh, fraud trial. Did a lot of um, editorializing in his answers, including calling the judge unhinged. Doesn't sound like a good idea. John O'Connor is a former prosecutor and the author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan activism uh, activist journalism. He joins us now. John, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, great to be on. So uh, it would seem to me, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, telling the judge he's unhinged doesn't seem like a good defense strategy. Is this, uh, is this just me? 
No, no, I've I've spent my lifetime uh, smiling at judges who are are screwing me. Uh, you yeah. Know? Uh, so, you know, the idea is to say yes, Your Honor. Uh, it's the uh, a more formal equivalent to yes, dear, and you got to pick your battles. Sometimes you take on a judge, but usually you do so in a respectful, very legal way. Your Honor, with all due respect here's what the standard is it isn't the one you stated uh with all due respect uh, you know that that uh, uh, the finding the evidence says something else uh, so you do take them on but you have to do it with respect and try to keep it within the bounds of what he his job is um, mm. and so forth now in this case there may be some method to trump's madness because the court is already it's already very clear as often happens in these cases, that the judge is really not on your side. Uh, and the fact that the judge accepted some of these values unquestioningly and without any sense of critical uh, skepticism bothers me deeply. Uh, for example, the judge in the first part of the, the um, we're in the penalty phase now, but in the first part of the trial when he ruled that the Trump had engaged in fraudulent business practices, he accepted without any criticism the fact that they value Mar-a-Lago at $18 million. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's absurd. If you really want to talk about somebody really being way out of line on valuation, it's that valuation. That right. is absurd. Trump uh, said today that the tennis court was worth more than $18 million. Well, he's <laughs> He's, he's, he's maybe uh, exaggerating yeah. a bit, but it's really true. I was just there for a movie premiere. Uh, you know, not Trump was not involved in it, but uh, and, and I got a good look at the property. It is spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's 17 acres in the most in the wealthiest enclave in Florida. Beautiful. Everything surrounding Mar-a-Lago is beautiful. One house is better than the next, and then you have this beautiful piece of property that's 17 acres. Now. Uh, tomorrow, a Saudi prince would buy that for half a billion or, or uh, an Internet mogul would. That place is spectacular and the building is spectacular and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. So to value this as if it's an apartment complex where you are valuing it solely on the rental income is absurd. So the judge took $2 million annual income multiplied by nine and said, OK, it's worth $18 million. I accept that. Well, that's silly. And that just shows you, in my view how biased this whole thing is. Uh, the second thing that I would say is this. In, in normal fraud cases throughout the country, at common law, fraud is only fraud if somebody relies on it. If a fraudulent falls in the forest, uh, to use a quick phrase, and no one's there to rely on it, it's not fraud. And you have to rely on it and rely on it to your, to your detriment, to your damage. So they put on an expert without any testimony from the lenders that, that gee, had you valued your property correctly, the lender would have charged you more for the, for the uh, loan, and, yeah, and Trump would have paid it. So then the guy comes up with an estimate of $170 million. Well, that, that's, just, that's just phony stuff. I mean, that's, and I think that was recently put into evidence uh, right in, in this phase, was the $170 million figure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that assumes that that a Trump would have paid that if they if the lender said I want to get two more points on this loan, 
and B, it assumes that these the expert knows the custom and practice in the industry as to whether or not uh, uh, in the market people were uh, would insist on this. Remember, this is a time when people are borrowing money at zero interest rates from the Fed, and if you're getting four percent or five percent on a real estate loan, you're making you're in tall cotton. If, uh, you know, so these yeah. lenders are making big money. Uh, so to say that, oh no. And no one else would have come in if the lender who gave the loan said, okay, we want two more points. There would probably be a, a lineup of lenders who are willing to go below that amount. So uh, it's 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 almost a, a fairyland uh, made up. It's uh, let's pretend this happened. So I have real problems with this. And I think people have raised the issue of the constitutionality of taking away somebody's business Number one. Number two, fining somebody this amount where the amount does not go to the people who have been damaged. This is a civil penalty for the, that the state collects. Uh, so that doesn't make sense either. How does how is the state harmed by this? Yeah, uh, that, that, that's, yeah. that's what I, I um, again, I'm not an attorney, but if there was fraud and people were getting cheated out of the then the amounts of money that we're talking about here, there would be wouldn't there be people lining up to sue him to get their money back after they were they were um, victims of fraud? They, shouldn't they be that's the right. ones? I guess that's what you're that's saying. Right. That they should be the ones that are, are uh, insisting that he be sued and that they get their money back. Right, right. Now I've been in a lot of fraud litigation on both sides, and one of the tests for the jury, and this is what the juries are big on this. Did you rely? Did you rely on this statement to your own detriment, or is it something? Or did you have your own reasons for doing what you did? Uh, was it reasonable for you to rely on this? Uh, so, for example, let's say that Trump overvalued his uh, penthouse. Was that reasonable to rely on that? If they did rely, and I don't think they did, but if they did. Is it reasonable to rely on that statement without doing your own walkthrough? Right, yeah. And most people would say, no, no, right. you're not, no, that's silly. Uh, you're not really defrauding anybody. That's the thing. And, you know, and so this is a bloviating guy who likes to have an $8 billion financial statement and act like he's Mr. Big Shot. But the fact is, and okay, so he's probably worth $3 billion. Okay. Uh, but, but still, uh, anybody. He didn't hurt anybody got, by bragging about it. Well, the other thing about it is, is that in real estate lending, it's always the value of the asset under review that counts. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just nothing. And so you can bet your boots, every lender, and I used to do work for the FDIC, FISLIC, and all these people. I got into a lot of litigation on behalf of the government over people who misvalued things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and people defrauded savings and loans. But this is not an example of it because the, the 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 banks got certified appraisers to go in and appraise these properties, and they relied on their own uh, valuation because this is asset based lending. Uh, so you're not going to take this uh, bloviating financial statement and say, "Oh boy, uh, he's worth so much money." Gee, no. They look at the value of the asset that they're going to lend on, and if it's a good asset. Because they're really saying, at some point, if Trump goes under, we may own this asset. Can we get rid of it for at least this price? And the answer is yes. Yeah, you can. And so it's it's really, this is really, people don't understand that 
it's not really fraud. It, it's not fraud. It is an, uh, at best, it is an overstated uh, statement of, of financial condition without any victims. But here's so the thing. Is, I, I, if, if you're explaining this very well, um, and, I, and that's why I wanted to have you on, but um, this, uh, it just seems so obvious that it's just a pile of horse manure. How, is it, how did it get this far? How are the taxpayers in New York benefiting from this? And who's, I, I mean, who's out there arguing with what you're saying? Like saying, oh, no, that's, that's not true. Lot, lots of people, other than these two, the, the attorney general and this judge, who's out there saying that, yeah, oh, yeah, this was terrible. He defrauded lots of people and everybody's upset. Nobody's saying that that I know of. That's right. And now, now, so, now here's the thing. Why are not more people yelling and screaming? Well, if you're a citizen, especially of New York City, and you hate Trump because you're a Democrat, right? And and Letitia James is telling you, well, we're going to get you 250 million dollars, and it's going to go into the state coffers. And and what's good about it is we're taking it from your hated enemy, Mr. Orange Man. Mm-hmm. Well, the, of course, people don't mind that. Nobody minds taking money from some evildoer on the other side, but uh, that's not really a way to run a democracy where you're supposed to have due process of law. Mm-hmm. So I think it is really, and I think he has a real shot at some point along the line getting this statute declared unconstitutional, at least unconstitutional as applied to a situation like this, mm-hmm. um, where there is no proof, and I think there will be no evidence of the lender coming in and saying, I was defrauded. Uh, and that's mainly the the big deal here. And And then, of course, the second issue is, let's say the judge does, give him a $172 million fine. He'll try to act like, oh, he did this. He'll have it down to the penny. Oh, I'm not doing $250 million, but I am doing $172,687.50. You know, making it look, giving some false precision to this. The real question is, how do you back that up? You're taking somebody's property from him for for what? I mean, that clearly... Because you don't like him. Yeah, now there's another thing. In the United States Constitution... There's something called the excessive fines and penalties clause. Uh, and this is just was an, an opinion authored by Justice Ginsburg not too long ago. Talked about this uh, when, uh, you know, when somebody's charged with a crime or, you know, uh, <laughs> say, uh, uh, OK, uh, uh, using the car to uh, to sell dope, to be part of a dope ring. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and then you. And then you say, okay, for that, we, we, we're seizing your assets worth $3 million. And so the issue is, wait a second, that's, an, that's a pretty much of an excessive fine for this wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And, there's, there's, and, and, and the federal courts can intervene on that because it's under the federal constitution. So I think there are ways, and also I think it's possibly unconstitutional to take the money, uh, forgetting about the excessive fines and penalties, to take money without some proof of damage. Uh, or reliance, uh, and so forth. So nobody has really tested this statute. It's been around, but people don't really use it for uh, this kind of purpose. Uh, when there are no uh, complainants, I, I, I would suspect every time they use it, which is probably rarely, it's because somebody's really been defrauded and they've lost money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you had Sam Bankman-Fried right. doing this, and, and you're a crypto uh, person who's lost a bunch of money yeah this would be yeah hey i, I hey i lost two million dollars because this guy gave me a false financial statement that's that's a legitimate 
application of this law. So that's why I say it's as applied to this case, it's probably unconstitutional. So there's much more to come here. But what is not reported, and I've been watching CNN a little bit, which is following this, they don't seem to get any of what I'm saying. They don't seem to, they don't really have... Well, they don't want to get it, John. They don't want to get it. And the lawyers they have on there talk their lawyer talk, but they're not really getting... Uh, you know, to the issues I'm talking about. So it's, it, this is, you know, I got to say this. It's hard to make a guy like Trump, who's a big blustery guy, to make him into a victim for whom you feel sorry. Mm-hmm. He is a victim for whom I feel sorry. Yeah, they're and doing a good job of that. They're doing a good job, and that's really boosted his political standing because people have an innate sense of fairness in this country. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much Trump may be a big swaggering guy, he's really being treated unfairly here. Yeah, and uh, by the way, he made up for <laughs> he made up for. And we're talking to John O'Connor. He's a former prosecutor, and he's also the author of a book, Postgate: How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan activism journalism. Speaking of CNN. Um, he made up for uh, telling the judge he's unhinged by calling the the attorney, attorney general Letitia James a political hack. This sounds like a right. guy who thinks he's going to going to take this to appeal and win it there. Well, he's not going to win it based on that, but no. but he's also this also has political implications, and I think uh, Letitia James is a political hack. I mean, I think this was a hack job. She ran on the whole idea of getting Trump. And, you know, there's a thing in the Constitution about a bill of attainder. You're not supposed to pass a law that's specifically uh, aimed at getting Joe Smith's property. Uh, now, this isn't a bill of attainder. I don't mean to say that. But it's. It, but the way she is doing it, she ran on the, on the, on the theme of, I'm going to go get Trump. And that doesn't strike people as being fair it's not like she's got the blindfolds on and she's looking at all the businesses in new york city and just happened to pick out trump as being an offender um it's it's geared to your political enemies and to try to make political points so to call her a political hack is a fair statement now how politic trump is going to be when he calls the judge unhinged and he calls her a political hack I don't think he's making friends and influencing people within that courtroom. No. But there are a lot of people like you and me who are watching this and say, you know. He's right. The guy's, the guy's got a point, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, he's not, you know. And, and, and I suspect that New York being a blue state, that the court of appeals that they're going to go to are, are not going to be conservatives. Uh, so, and maybe that's true of the Supreme Court. I don't know. Uh, the, the 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 politics there, but I'd be stunned if you had a bunch of Republicans in New York on the bench. Mm-hmm. So this is going to have to go to the federal judiciary, and then up to the Supreme Court. I think. Well, um, I, hey John, yeah. I'm 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 almost out of time. It's got about thirty seconds here. How long might that process take to get if it's going to go all that? You know, if it's going to go through the appeals process, uh, minimum a year, and that would be lightning fast. Okay. Hey, John, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the book, again, and we had John to talk about it. It's an interesting book. Um, is called Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Activism Journalism. That's 50 years ago, uh, This, uh, this right now, that this was all going on. So maybe we'll have you on soon to talk about that. I appreciate it, John. All right. Take care of yourself. These are interesting times. Okay, thank you. That's John O'Connor. I'll be right back.
Well, Saturday is Veterans Day, and the Strand Theater in Zelianople has a special event planned. We want to let you know about it. Ron Carter is president and executive director of the Strand, and he joins us now. Ron, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me back. I appreciate it, too. So uh, you have a big name coming in Saturday. Yes, we could not be more thrilled that we have a Broadway TV and film legend, Ben Vereen, who will be performing here on Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. That's amazing. Ben Vereen has made it to Zillian Opal. Can you picture any better way no. to, with your career? I mean, it, it's clearly a pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, can he pronounce Zillian Opal? Um, well, we'll find out when he gets here. Yeah, so uh, what's the show? What, what, will he, what kind of a show does he do? It's a, it's, a, it's a concert called Steppin' Out with Ben Vereen. So he's going to do lots of Broadway and uh, pop and pop music tunes. And I'm sure he'll be telling lots of stories from his incredible career. I mean, he's people my age remember him from the groundbreaking miniseries of Roots. But he, on Broadway, he's been in Wicked and Fosse and Jesus Christ Superstar and Pippin. In fact, he won Tony's for Pippin and a Drama Desk Award for Pippin. Um, but he's also been all over TV, including he played, this is kind of ironic, he played uh, Will Smith's dad in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and then he also played Chris Rock's dad in the 2014 film Top 5. So he's truly been all over the place. He's been around. So how do you get him to come to Zillian Opal, guy like that? Well, we, we, we kind of got on somebody's radar, apparently. We, uh, we had uh, Mandy Patinkin back in February, and that was another major mm -hmm. uh, star that we had here because he, everybody knows him from Princess Bride. But when we had him at the Strand, uh, we got a call from from Ben's people and said, "Hey, if you can, uh, if you if you had success with uh, with Manny Patinkin, I mean Ben Vereen, as far as I can tell, is a, is a much more recognizable oh, name." Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we were very excited to get him, and he was, and he's he's excited about coming into a an intimate space like ours where you can see him from as close as an arm's length. How many people will, will be there in the theater for the show? The maximum capacity for the theater is 267, so we're certainly expecting that uh, we'll get to that point. Uh, but one of, the, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is because it is Veterans Day weekend, and mm -hmm. Ben Vereen is a huge supporter of our veterans. So we're doing two things uh, in support of our veterans just for this one show, and that is, first of all, if you want to come to the show and buy tickets, we're offering $20 off for veterans and their spouses, so you can call the box office or order tickets online and use the promo code VETERAN and get 20 bucks off of tickets. But more importantly, uh, we are giving away a quantity of tickets to veterans. Uh, we are going to have the drawing on Wednesday, and I don't know exactly how many tickets I'm going to have available, but there will be at least 10 pairs, I would say, that I can give away for this show. And all you have to do is send an email to... Uh, the Strand Theater, which is information at thestrandtheater.org, with your name, address, phone number, and email address, and we'll hold the drawing on Wednesday, and we'll award the tickets for free, and we're just very excited to, to make it something special because it is Veterans Day weekend. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that, um, that, that a small venue like that, that Ben Vereen actually probably likes the idea of playing in a small place like that because he, he he's played... He's played the biggest places, and he's and it's, it's obviously it's not TV; it's a live performance. Yeah, and it, it's it's one of those things where we've gotten all kinds of great feedback, not just from the audience because they're so close, but from the artists because typically a John Oates or a Debbie Reynolds or uh, the Celtic Tenors they play in much much larger venues where you can't even see the audience 
as opposed to be able to look them in the whites of their eyes. So uh, yeah. it's a very exciting experience, not just for the audience, but for the artists. Now, the Strand Theater is interesting, too, and we're talking to Ron Carter. Carter, He's the president and executive director of the Strand up in Zelenope. It's, a, it's an old, uh, old-fashioned, uh, old-time theater where, you used to, where when people used to get dressed up to go to the movies. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you have a special clientele that I'm guessing this appeals to. Because the people who come to the Strand are really into movies, into into just entertainment, and the whole culture of um, show business. And well, I, I, I appreciate you saying that because, uh, as it turns out, the Strand draws patrons from 17 Pennsylvania counties and 17 states because of our very eclectic mix of programming, both live and film. Uh, we just added Utah when somebody drove in from Utah to see the Celtic Tenors earlier this year. That's amazing, um, and so you you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of name acts coming in there. You don't get the kind of publicity that I would think you deserve, and you're still able to make do do a good business. We we really try uh, the Manny Patinkin show. It took a, it took a while to take off, but it did sell out. And uh, but we've had um, we've had the twin sons of. Uh, Oh gosh, now I can't. I'm gonna have a brain cramp on his name, but uh, he was a rock star in the 1950s. Ricky Nelson, Ricky Nelson's twin sons, Matthew oh. and Gunner, were here. Yeah, and of course Debbie Reynolds has been here. Manny Patinkin. We've had, of course, local legends like B.E. Taylor and Donnie Iris. So we've really had a, a, quite a few household names uh, fill the space. And again, they just they, the artists talk about how wonderful it is because it's like performing in a living room surrounded by 300 of your of your closest friends. You're also showing some movies this weekend. Yes. Uh, one is that very powerful film, Sound of Freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is truly a powerful film, and it makes you think things that you probably don't want to think about. And that's what's it's kind of frustrating that we don't talk about um, child sex trafficking and human trafficking in the 21st century, even though it's a much... Uh, one of the statistics from the film is that human trafficking is a and slavery is larger now than it ever has been in history, including when it was legal. Mm-hmm. And millions of those slaves are children. And so this film tackles that issue very directly, um, and it's about basically a Homeland Security officer who quits his job at Homeland Security so he, could, so he can pursue rescuing children in Colombia. And it's, it's extremely tense and difficult to watch, but it's important to watch. Yeah, I saw the movie. It's a great movie. And one last thing, you got uh, a film festival Sunday night, a lot of military movies there, too. Exactly, and it's, uh, it's a local, uh, independently produced group called Films for Heroes, locally made military-themed films, and that's going to be Sunday evening from, four to, uh, from 6 to 8 p.m., and it's all done locally by this company uh, called, um, I believe it's called Ghost, uh, Sneaky Ghost Productions under the leadership of Scott Danzig, and they've curated these military-themed films with the goal of raising money to support the Wounded Warrior Project. And so admission is free, but of course they're accepting donations, and it's a series of these just wonderful independent films with these military themes that people should should get out to see. Uh, a Sneaky Ghost Productions? Yeah, Sneaky Ghost is the name of the film company that Scott uh, mm-hmm. runs. But he's actually curated these military-themed films from not just his production company, but production companies from throughout the area. So these are actual movie movies. They're not. These are actual films. I mean, it, it, a lot of them are shorts. I mean, the whole thing runs about two hours, and it's a total of six films. 
but it is all uh, based on different military uh, topics and some very, again, difficult topics that you have a tough time dealing with. Like one is about, um, it's called truce, which is about a soldier who returns home from Vietnam and is having a tough time adjusting. This was long before PTSD was discovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is about a ho- two homeless veterans who are just fighting to survive a cold winter's night. So it's it's a it's a really amazing uh, group of films to watch on a Sunday in honor of veterans. So it's the Strand Theater. It's this weekend. Uh, where can people get involved in the lottery again for the tickets? Uh, they should send an email to information at the Strand theater t-h-e-a-t-e-r dot org just give us your name address phone number and email address we'll get you in the drawing and we'll give away as many tickets as we have available because we just want to have give do something to give back to these veterans who fought so hard for us and you still have uh, ben vereen tickets available yes we do have still good seats available and you can go to the website to purchase those or call us at the box office and we'll be happy to take care of you it's going to be a wonderful program you will never ever be able to see somebody that close with that legendary status is at the Strand Theater. And only, uh, yeah, only 250 people there with you. That's, that's, exactly. a, that's a great exactly. venue. Hey, I appreciate you uh, coming on, Ron. Good luck with it. And anytime we can help you out, give me a call, man. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, that's Ron Carter, the president and executive director of the Strand Theater in Zelianople. I'll be right back. Well, you know, we spoke in the first segment about Donald Trump and his uh, appearance today at the civil fraud trial. And he, he told the judge that he was unhinged, and he referred to the attorney general who brought the charges as a political hack. I don't know, that's, as we spoke there with John O'Connor, the former prosecutor, that's, that doesn't sound like a really good defense strategy. But maybe um, Donald Trump is acting that way because he's starting to feel pretty confident about the polls. And I, I just don't – just listen to John O'Connor. I don't know how he – I don't know – there isn't any chance he's going to win this case. The judge is going to find him guilty uh, in the civil trial. He's no, there's no way he's going to win. Um, but I, I – I, he's going to appeal it, and I just don't know how any sane person could think that this was fair, what's going on. Even if you hate Donald Trump – and you want to, you don't care what it takes to get rid of him, including assassination. You want him out of there, and this is fine with you. You still have to, if you're honest with yourself, you know it's a joke. That it's what they're doing to him is a joke. So the reason he might be feeling a little bit confident is that a New York Times Siena poll came out over the weekend, and boy, do they the numbers look bad for Joe Biden. This is from the New York Times, a Democratic. Groups, uh, I'm sorry, demo- demographic groups that backed Mr. Biden by landslide margins in 2020 are now far more closely contested. Two thirds of the electorate sees the country moving in the wrong direction. Voters under 30 favor Mr. Biden by only a single percentage point. That's big. Uh, his lead among Hispanic voters is down to single digits, and his advantage in urban areas is half of uh, Mr. Trump's edge in rural regions. And while women still favored Mr. Biden, and why is that? What is it about women that like this guy? I, I just, what is it? What uh, It must be abortion. I, it has to be. I don't know. What else could it be? This is, this is what's really encouraging to me. Because I don't know how any man, any man votes for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. 
or for that matter, when it was Hillary Clinton. But uh, uh, men preferred Mr. Trump by twice as large a margin, reversing the gender advantage that had fueled so many Democratic gains in recent years. In other words, Biden still has the women, but not by the margins. Uh, the, the difference between men and women is much less. And so, um, or I guess it's much more, Joe Biden is not nearly as strong in women as Trump is in men, and that completely wipes out the gender advantage. That's good news. And it's and then it, it's, the Times goes on to say, add it all together, Mr. Trump leads by 10, these are swing states, 10 points in Nevada, 6 in Georgia, 5 in Arizona, 5 in Michigan, and 4 in Pennsylvania. Mr. Biden held a two-point edge in Wisconsin. Uh, and then they have a quote here from a guy named Spencer Weiss. He's an, he's a 53-year-old electrical substation specialist in Pennsylvania. He voted for Biden in 2020, but he's now backing Donald Trump. And he says, the world is falling apart under Biden. I would much rather see somebody that I feel can be a positive role model leader for the country. I think Trump has his wits about him. Uh, another ominous sign for Democrats is that Mr. Biden's policies had hurt them personally while they credited Mr. Trump's policies for helping them. What a concept. The results were mirror opposites. Voters gave Mr. Trump a 17-point advantage for having helped them and Mr. Biden an 18-point disadvantage, disadvantage for hurting them. And that, it, that it isn't even taking into account that Joe Biden is demented and walking around drooling on himself. That, that, that's, that's not even part of They haven't even taken that into account. The guy's, uh, you know, pooping in his pants. Um, and so if the, if the election were tomorrow, which, by the way, I think there is one around here tomorrow. If the election were tomorrow, based on this, I, I know polls are polls, and this is the New York Times, and I don't know if these are likely voters, uh, registered voters. I don't know how good the poll is. But those are ridiculous numbers. And if the election were tomorrow, you got to believe that Trump wins and wins big, big. Uh, we have the election tomorrow for county commissioner. Um, I'm sorry, county executive and uh, district attorney. And I, yeah, I've done zero research into this, but just from people I'm talking to, I've talked to an amazing number of people. Some of them with kind of a inside take on politics and people who have actually worked in politics and others just just people out there on the street who have told me that they're democratic that they're Democrats, either they are Democrats and they're not voting they're voting for Joe Rocky for county executive and they're voting for Zapala, or that they know people who are Democrats and their friends who are Democrats. It's, I've had an amazing number of people say to me, "Just these are this is anecdotal, of course. Just I have a friend who's a lifelong Democrat. He's voting for Rocky, and I went for my my weekend walk in Mount Lebanon over the week uh, on Saturday, and I saw a lot of Joe Rocky signs in places where I used to see a lot of um, Democrat signs, and also some of the you know the Black Lives Matter signs and the Everybody's welcome here signs and the rainbow signs. A lot of Rocky signs. Eh, I'm just going to say he's going to win tomorrow. 
We'll see. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.